Good morning, and certainly good to see everyone here this morning. We're thankful that God has given us another opportunity to be able to approach Him, to be able to draw near to Him, to worship Him in spirit and in truth. As we stop and think about this opportunity that we have this morning, I believe one of the greatest privileges that we have as God's children, as His creation, is being able to worship Him in spirit and in truth. I hope worshiping God is the highlight of your week. I hope it's something that you think about. I hope it's something that you look forward to doing every first day of the week. Being able to assemble as the children of God, to be able to sing these songs of praise, to be able to approach the throne of God in prayer, to be able to partake of this memorial feast, remembering the Lord's death, and then being able to give of our means and to open the Holy Word of God and to study from it with a ready heart, with a ready mind to search the Scriptures to see if what is being preached is so. To be like Ezra who prepared his heart to hear the law of the Lord and to do it, as we see in Ezra chapter 7, verse number 10. As you turn back to the book of Psalms, and as we think about worshiping God, there are so many Psalms that really encourage us to approach the throne of God with thanksgiving, with singing making melody in our hearts to the Lord. While we can spend the rest of our time just going through the book of Psalms, looking at those individual Psalms that really call upon us to worship God, I'm just going to mention a few. In Psalm 100 verse 4, we are encouraged to enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. In Psalm 96, verse number 9, the psalmist declared, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. In Psalm 92, verse 1, the psalmist reminds us that it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto His holy name. And then in Psalm 95, verse 6, perhaps a a favorite for many, The psalmist declared, O worship and bow down, and let us kneel before the Lord, our our Maker. As we think about worshiping God, worship is, is something that we shouldn't take lightly. In Psalm chapter 89, verse number 7, we learn that, that God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, and to be had in reverence of all them that are about Him. Again, understand the significance of of worshiping God. God deserves reverence. He deserves that all as we come before Him. It's something that we shouldn't take lightly. It's something that, that each one of us needs to prepare for. Like David in Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Or you can go back to the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 
34 verses 1 through 10, you'll see the idea of preparation being set forth in those 10 verses as Moses goes to Mount Sinai, as he presents himself before the great I Am, before Jehovah God. And he does so with the utmost respect. I love that context because as it begins, as Moses rises up early in the morning to present himself before God, in the Hebrew he is standing straight up, perpendicular, as he presents himself before God. And as God presents himself before Moses, as he reveals his mercy, his graciousness, his power... Moses, who is standing in attention, is now bowing down, worshiping God. I guess one of the most well-known verses uh, as it relates to worship is found in John 4, verse 23 and 24, where Jesus says, But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers shall worship God in spirit and in truth. For God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Those two verses have so much to say about worship and the significance, the import of worship. You know, as we think about worship, we can spend our time talking about what it means to worship God in truth, what it means to worship God in attitude. We can spend our time looking at at the acts of worship or the avenues of worship. And all of those points are important and all of those things uh, need to be studied out. We could talk about how the New Testament legislates how we worship God and how we, we worship God is important. However, this morning with the time that we have together, I would like for us to talk about the magnificence and the splendor of worship. The magnificence and the splendor of worship, and not even those words are adequate enough to describe worship. If I had one context to choose from to talk about the splendor of worship, I would choose Revelation 4. Revelation chapter 4. And so, This morning I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 4. You'll notice that that chapter 4 is a short chapter, only 11 verses. And so we're going to be going through these 11 verses. We're going to be reading these verses. And so I do want to encourage you to to open your Bibles to Revelation 4. As you're opening your Bibles to Revelation 4, I realize that Sometimes the book of Revelation is is overlooked. Some will approach the book of Revelation and say it's too difficult, it's too hard to understand, therefore I'm not going to study it. We hurt ourselves spiritually speaking. Let me say it like this. We rob ourselves spiritually speaking when we don't study the book of Revelation. We don't study the book of Revelation enough. I don't preach from the book of Revelation enough. It has such a a, a beautiful message that that can gladden the heart and that can build us up spiritually speaking. What is your turning over to the book of Revelation for? After the Lord addresses the seven congregations of Asia Minor, we see in Revelation 4 verse number 1 that that the Apostle John is, is invited into heaven. He's called into the divine 
throne room. And what we see here in chapter 4 is a throne scene. And I want to highlight that in your minds this morning. Because you don't have a lot of throne scenes throughout the Word of God. There are a few in the Old Testament. And then you have Revelation 4, Revelation 5. And those throne scenes, again, are significant. And as we read this, remember, we are looking at a, a, a throne scene and, and John is, is going to get a glimpse into heaven and John in, in the following verses is, is going to describe this, this marvelous throne scene that we see in heaven. And as he begins to describe this throne scene, we see in verse number 2 and verse number 3, he describes the one who is sitting on the throne. And notice how the Apostle John describes the one that is sitting on the throne in verse number 3. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper, like a jasper sparkling and white, and a sardine stone, fiery red in appearance. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And then in verse number 4, John continues to describe that throne scene with, with 24 elders around the throne. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they, that, and they, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. As you think about these 24 seats, these, these 24 elders, you know numbers are significant in the book of, of Revelation. The number 12 symbolizes organized religion. Well, here you have the number 24. And most scholars would believe that, that this signifies the 12 apostles, the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel. And what it symbolizes here is the redeemed of, of all ages. The 24 elders gathering around the throne. Gathering around the one who, who sat upon the throne. And then as you look at verse number 5, you see other elements around the throne. And out of the throne proceed, listen to it, lightnings and thunderings and voices. When I had the opportunity to go through the book of Revelation for the first time, through an in-depth study, ever since then, every time I, I see lightning or I hear thunder, I'm reminded of, of, of John's scene and, and what he is describing to us as he looks at this throne. Again, out of the throne proceedeth lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits. In verse number 6, he then describes four living creatures. And before the throne there was a sea of glass. And unto the crystal and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And these four beasts had unique characteristics in verse number 7. The first beast was like a lion. And the second beast like a calf. And the third beast was like a, like, had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was, 
like a flying eagle. And then in verse number 4, and the four beasts, excuse me, verse number 8, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about them. And they were full of eyes within, and they rest not night and day, saying. Now before we read that, look at the throne scene. You have the 24 seats, the 24 elders around the throne. You have these living creatures around the throne. But now verses 8 to the rest of the chapter through verse 11, I want you to notice the activity. Notice the, the activity. We, we see the scene in the first eight verses, but notice the activity still beginning at verse number 8. Holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when the beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, and the four and twenty elders fall down, before Him that sat on the throne, and worship Him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things for Thy pleasure. They are and were Created. As you think about that activity, we see that God would be praised. The 24 elders bow down and worship God. They fall down and worship Him. The living creatures worship Him. What we see from Revelation 4 is this. Our great God is worthy to be praised. And this morning as we gather here, we do so with the purpose of worshiping our God. And this throne scene that we see here in Revelation 4, and even going in to Revelation 5, should help us as we worship God because we see that God is worthy of our praise. Now what I would like to do very quickly is mention why God is worthy of praise. Because here in chapter 4, as we read through this, John gives us reasons for why God is worthy to be praised. Number one, God is worthy to be praised because He is Creator. He is the one that that created all things, as we read from chapter 4, verse number 11. You know, as we open the book of Genesis, we go to the beginning. Notice how the Bible begins. In the beginning, God created. God created this world. And He did so for His glory. And it's sad to see that that so many today want to rob God of His glory. Some will look at God's creation and they will teach evolution. They will teach that that God didn't create this world. This just happened by chance. And as you and I both know, that is foolish. That doesn't make any sense at all. It doesn't make any sense that that people would want to, to rob God of His glory. One of the reasons why we praise and worship our God is because we understand that His creation reveals 
His glory. In Psalm 19, 1-6, the psalmist declared the heavens declare the, the glory of God. When we look at God's creation, when we hear the rain, when we see the rain, when we see the trees, the, the green grass, when we think about the various seasons, when we see the sun, we see the moon, we see the stars, we understand and realize that we serve a powerful Creator We understand that this just didn't happen by accident. God created this world. He spoke this world into existence. And because of that, we bow down before Him. We worship Him, our Creator. You know, as we think about every day, we should have a deep appreciation for our great God. In Psalm 118, verse number 24, the psalmist declared, This is the day that the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Not only did God create this world, but He created us. And because of that, we should praise Him. We should stand in in awe of Him. Think about what the psalmist declared in Psalm 139, verse number 14. I will praise Thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And as you think about what God created, as He created this body, we know that that this body is not intended to, to last forever. According to Psalm 90, verse number 10, this body has the potential to live to be 80, to be 90, but then one of these days we will fly away. That's how God describes the death of a saint. We will fly away one of these days. We're not here forever. But as long as we're here, as long as we have our being, as long as we have our minds, we should worship God. And we are reminded of that in Revelation 4. Another or a second reason why God is worthy of our praise has to do with His character. Because His character is unmatched. You see that in verse number 3 and verse number 8. But look at Revelation 4, verse number 8 very carefully because we see an attribute of God. He is holy. But listen to this. Out of all of the attributes of God that we read about in the Bible, this is the only attribute that is repeated three times. Holy, holy, holy is God Almighty. Now, as you think about the throne scene here in Revelation 4, it's very similar to the throne scene that we see in the book of Isaiah chapter 6. And remember, that's what the prophet Isaiah said about God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What does that mean, God is holy? In 1 John 1 verse 5, It means that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. It means that God cannot look upon iniquity because He is so holy. Habakkuk 1 verse number 13. God is perfect in every sense. God doesn't lie. God doesn't make mistakes. God is perfect in that sense. Perfect in everything that He does. He is holy. And as I think about the holiness of God, my question is this. How can unholy 
how can unholy men approach a holy God? That is who we are worshiping this morning. We're worshiping a holy God. We understand that we're unholy. We understand that we're not like God. We're not perfect. We understand that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the beauty of the gospel is this. God has revealed a beautiful plan. A plan of salvation that will make us right through Him. The only way that we can approach a holy God this morning is through Jesus Christ. You see in Colossians chapter 2 verse number 10, Paul makes that point about being in Christ. Paul says you are complete in Him. And because of Christ, we have the privilege of being able to approach a perfect God, a holy God. And again, that's only because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. We worship Him because He is Creator. We worship Him because He is holy. But number three, God is worthy of praise because His power is unsurpassed. Notice with me verse number five. His power is unsurpassed. As you look at Revelation 4 verse 5, again, we're reminded of the lightning. We're reminded of the thunderings. And again, it it reveals God's power. Turn back, if you would, to Psalm 33. Notice with me Psalm 33. In Psalm 33, Psalm 33 is is, is a call to, to worship God. And the psalmist elaborates on why we should worship God. Here in Psalm 33, beginning at verse number 6, listen to what the psalmist declared. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as in heat. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Listen to His power in verse number 9. For He spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices the people of none effect. As you stop and think about what we see in Psalm 33, we see God's creative power. How did He create this world? He spoke this world into existence. Scripture reveals His creative power. Also, we read about His redemptive power. You stop and think about the power of God. His power is amazing. It is marvelous. And there's not another person that has that power kind of power. We see His power in creation. He is the Creator. He is the Sustainer of the universe. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the book of Hebrews begins by talking about the power of His Word when the writer says, all things are upheld by the Word of His power. The various parts of the physical universe are held together and regulated not merely by laws of nature. Those laws of nature are 
His laws. They're God's laws. And so this universe is, is, is regulated by God's laws. The laws of nature are His laws. Our God is powerful. He is worthy of our praise. As you continue to look at Revelation 4, we see that God is, is worthy of our praise because we serve a God that is victorious. He is a God of victory. The book of Revelation is all about the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. God wants us to understand that He is the one that that is sitting on the throne. Notice how the book of Revelation begins. In Revelation 1 verse number 18, Jesus says, I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of, of hell and death. He is the one that that became victorious over the grave. And He wants us to know that we too can have victory over death. If we're faithful to God, we can come over and live with Him forever. Read Revelation 1, verse number 5. The enemy that we're trying to defeat is death. In Hebrews 9, verse 27, death is something that, that we will all face. As we said about God's creation, we're not going... To live forever. He's created this body. And this body is designed to last to be 80, 90 years. We're No, we're not promised 80 or 90. It's a principle. But we're not going to live forever. Job long ago asked the question, If a man die, will he live again? Well, Jesus answers that question in John 11, verse 25. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus said that because He was victorious over death. He partook of flesh and blood as we read this morning in our Bible class in Hebrews 2, verse 14, so that He might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. You and I can conquer the grave. You and I can can overcome death through Jesus Christ. And that's how Paul ends 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are worshiping our God because our God is a God of victory. And He gives us victory through His Son. And then finally, as we look at Revelation 4, we see again that God is is worthy to be praised because He is our Creator. He is our Sustainer. Because of His character, He's holy. He's powerful. He's victorious. But notice from this chapter, He is worthy of our praise because He is ruler. He's ruler. He is the one that, that, that is on the throne. You know, as the Apostle John speaks these words, and as we're studying these words this morning, there are earthly rulers. There are earthly people who are sitting upon the throne. But God wants us to know that He is sitting on the throne. He is the one that rules this universe He is the one that is in charge. I'm going to read one more verse together in our lesson this morning. If you would, turn over to John chapter 19. In John chapter 19, Jesus comes before Pilate. 
In verse number 10, listen to what is said. Then said Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and power to release thee? Listen to Jesus in verse number 11. And Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Jesus makes a very powerful point to Pilate. And that is, God has supreme power. God has supreme rule. And He is the one that is ruling within the kingdoms of men. And when we stop and think about His rule, His throne, we should stand in awe of Him. I hope this morning this lesson from Revelation 4 will want to encourage you to recognize God's greatness in our smallness. When we recognize our greatness, I mean, excuse me, when we recognize His greatness and our smallness, like the psalmist declared, we will bow down before Him. We will worship Him, recognizing who He is, the great God of heaven. This morning we want to offer the Lord's invitation. If you're not a child of God, if your heart isn't right with God, make those changes this morning. Obey the Gospel before it's everlasting too late. Obey the Gospel and have your sins washed away. Become a child of God. Be in a position where you can approach a holy God through His Son to worship Him in spirit and in truth, recognizing who He is as the Creator, who is all-powerful, who rules this universe, the One who loves you, the One who created you, the One who sent His only begotten Son to die on the cross for you. If you've never obeyed the Gospel, we encourage you to do that. We encourage you to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your past sins so you can have the hope of eternity. If you are a child of God, Again, I hope we're reminded of how great our God is. And as we think about how great He is, it should change the way that we live our lives. If we haven't been putting God first in our lives as His children, let's make those changes this morning as He gives us that opportunity. If you're subject to heaven's invitation, won't you please come right now as we stand and as we sing.